My brothers and sisters, I love you. Thanks for being with us. Tonight, we're going deep. I'm going to talk about the most important conversation you are ever going to have. It's one you're having right now. It's the conversation you have with yourself. There's a little voice inside of your head. How does he know that? The voice just said, relax, you're perfectly normal. We all have a voice inside of our heads. And this conversation that we have with ourselves, the words that we choose to use and that constant dialogue we're having with ourselves, it's so important because the words you use when you talk to yourself shape how you see yourself. How you see yourself shapes how you feel on a gut level. How you feel on a gut level shapes the decisions you make and how you act. How you act shapes how your entire life pans out. So what words are at the foundation of your entire life? Guys, you can't afford to get that conversation wrong. Far too many people do. And we're going to fix that tonight. Thanks for being with us. So as we talk about how to love yourself, this is all about the third rule in the book, Living Joy. Make sure you get this. Make sure you share it with friends. Love yourself. Now, we've never raised a generation telling them more frequently that they should love themselves. Young people are constantly told, love yourself, believe in yourself. You can accomplish anything you set your mind to. And the sad irony, guys, is we've never had a generation of young people so filled with self-loathing as people are today. And not just young people. This, is, this stretches across the board. I think teenagers are just the canary in the mind, so to speak. Why is this? Why is it that as we, we, we have all this positivity and uplifting self-talk that we're told we should have, uh, there's a growing sense of self-loathing. And I'm not just saying this, by the way. All the studies point to this. Generation Z, the youngest generation, has literally, study after study shows, they're the most depressed, anxiety-ridden, self-loathing generation alive today. In 2016, over half of them self-reported as feeling below average in mental health. Now, again, you have mental health issues. That's not all because of a lack of faith or because you're not following the advice I'm going to lay out right now. Sometimes it's because you have a chemical imbalance in your brain that's your cross to carry to heaven. However, when you talk about over 50% of them struggling with an anxiety-ridden, depressed self-loathing, that's not all chemical imbalances in the brain. We're getting something wrong in how we see ourselves, our purpose in this world, how we talk to ourselves. You see, we're telling young people they should love themselves and believe in themselves in the context of a secularized worldview scrubbed of any reference to God or to inherent purpose to life or it was scrubbed of any reference to a heaven. So what we're basically telling them is you are a cosmic accident. You are self of aware space sludge. Believe in yourself. All that you accomplish will become dust beneath the debris of a universe in ruins, in the words of the famous atheist Bertrand Russell. But you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. Why don't these kids believe in themselves? Now, Christian, we don't only say love yourself and believe in yourself. As Christians, we say love yourself, believe in yourself, and oh, by the way, here's why. Because we have a worldview that says that there is a God. Because there is an author, there is an actual story to life. Because that God is love, the story is good. That when we wander from his plan, God, you want to talk about believing in yourself? God, the maker of the universe, found you worth dying for 
And when you follow him, he destines you, created you for eternal glory. This is a worldview that says love yourself, believe in yourself, and we have a compelling reason to do it. It's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, looking at God, looking at the gospel, that doesn't just tell us who God is. That tells us who we are. That tells us how we should talk to ourselves and how we should see ourselves. By the way, if you want to interrupt my flow at any time, feel free to text your questions to 720-650-0100. We love you. We're here for you. That's why I want to hear your questions. 720-650-0100. The gospel shows us not only who God is, but who we are. You know how babies learn who they are? They can only see about from your arms to your face when they're first born. They start learning right away the most important lesson in life as they look at mom and dad. Who am I? I'm precious. What am I worth? I'm worth dying for. Guys, you look at Jesus on the cross and you learn who you are. Who am I? I'm precious. What am I worth? I'm worth dying for. But here's the trick, Christian. You have to align your self-talk with that little conversation you're having inside your head all the time with the reality of the gospel, with the reality of a God who found you worth dying for. Because if the words that you say to yourself and how you label yourself all the time don't fit his divine, amazing, mind-blowing, eternal love for you, guess which one of you guys is wrong? You're the one who's wrong, but you have work to do. Wake up to the fact that there's a battle between heaven and hell. The front line is between your ears, and you need to pick sides. Usually we go through life thinking and talking to ourselves with that little voice inside our heads and not thinking about what we're thinking. You follow that? Wake up, start thinking about what you're thinking. 2 Corinthians 10 says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And he was talking about, about doctrines that were wrong. But I think that, that also applies to the ways that we talk to ourselves. Every thought we take captive and make obedient to Christ. One of my heroes in the faith is one of the desert fathers who fled the world and went into the desert to give his life to prayer, named Evagrius of Pontus. Name your kids Evagrius of Pontus. Actually, please don't do that. So he's in the desert as, as a monk, and he wrote a book because he, he felt challenged by the evil one, and he was very conscious of the fact that the dark thoughts that would have led him astray from God were not just of his own device, but from actual spirits that sometimes mess in the realm of thoughts were trying to lead him away from God. So he came up with a bunch of scriptures to answer specific thoughts and specific temptations, and I love the name of this book. It's called Talking Back. Now, a lot of the things in there wouldn't apply to a person living in 2022 who's not a desert father. However, the title of that book, genius. You guys, you need to start learning to talk back. You need to get intentional about being aware of what's going on inside your head, taking thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, replacing negative self-talk that drags you down with the word of God and with what he has to say about you. Now, I'm gonna talk about how to do that. and I'm gonna lead you through a little prayer at the end to help you really do this. And it's a prayer that you're gonna be able to practice in your daily life every day. But before I do that, I, I wanna dive into some specific lies that I think are pretty common and take them captive for Christ and replace them with truths from scripture. Here's one mighty lie. And this is actually the reason I'm talking about this tonight. The lie that I am unforgivable. Do you live out of that lie? Are there, are there tapes replaying in your head about sins that you've committed where you're convinced that you can't move beyond those? The reason that this lie spurred on tonight's topic and made me think about this was 
Uh, just last week, I was at an event, and I met a woman who lived through a profound tragedy. Uh, she was in a car accident. The car accident was her fault. She was distracted driving. Her 14-year-old son was in the car with her, and her 14-year-old died. That is as heavy as it gets. And she was dealing with profound grief, as would be expected. But in addition to dealing with that profound grief, she was dealing with this lie that was in her head, like a splinter in her thought process. This lie that she can't be forgiven, that she is condemned to hell. And I led her through a very simple prayer where we renounced that lie out loud and where she claimed the truth. She captured that lie. She recognized it was there. She didn't really realize that that was what the lie was. And then claimed the truth that nothing is unforgivable and that she's redeemed by Jesus Christ. And, and I could see the weight lift off her shoulders as we, we prayed together. And I said, you know, you have a lot of grief and that's good, that's natural. But to also carry that lie of unforgiveness, no, 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 no. Do you carry that lie? The devil's called the accuser of our brothers. It's a great name for the devil in scripture. He experiences a victory every time you fall into sin. The greater victory is the lie that you believe about yourself that results from your sin. Because when you start to believe that, then you start acting out of that lie, and you're going to sin that, the same sin a thousand more times. That lie, when you live out of it, stops you from moving past your sin. And i got to tell you, man, if you're living under that lie, do you really think, do you really think that you're more powerful than God? Do you really think the thing that you did is more powerful than what Jesus did for you on the cross? And I'm glad I could articulate it like that so you could hear how stupid it sounds. Because a lot of these lies we believe are so weak, and we just don't know if they're there. We just got to call them out and call them what they are. So if you believe a lie that you're unforgivable, you need to start saying out loud. You need to start talking back, I am redeemable. I am beloved. I am a child of a God who loves me. Guys, the devil looks at you and sees your sin and names you by your sin. Your father looks at you, he sees your sin and names you his son, his daughter. That's who you are. The thing you did is not you. Here's a question just came in. Letting our kids know about their purpose and the relationship God wants with them is not just something we've forgotten to tell our kids. It's something our current world is militantly telling them is untrue. It's a good observation. It's tragic. And this world that's telling them that all the beauty of faith that gives life meaning is untrue, is overlooking the fact that we're raising a miserable generation. Who needs God anymore? Well, apparently these kids do because they're miserable. They, I mean, again, I'm not making this up. This is all the modern, this is all the most cutting edge stats about the happiness level in children. They're, this is not working. Let's take some more lies captive. Maybe you believe you're cursed. I'm, I'm good friends with a handful of people in special forces. Some of the best people I know. And this one guy was attached to a Navy SEAL team. And um, he wasn't a SEAL himself, but he was, he was working with the team. But he, he came to love these guys very deeply. And the entire team died. Heavy stuff, man. And he started having marital problems, as many people do who experience that kind of thing. And he said, Chris, I just think maybe the joys of life are not for me. And as those words left his mouth and came into the air, these kinds of words that we think sometimes, some of you watch and think this, but you don't usually know you're thinking it. You're thinking without thinking about what you're thinking. But it was an intense moment. So he's able to articulate 
that little whisper that he was talking to himself in the, on replay all the time. He said it out loud, and I said, dude, if someone came in the room right now and said those words to you, I would throttle him. Can you imagine saying that to another human being? We say things to ourselves we'd never say to our worst enemies. Could you imagine saying to another person, the joys of life are not for you? But you go through a tragedy, and instead of the word of God informing your self-talk, you let your tragedy inform your self-talk, unmoored from the truth of the word of God, and we go through life with these incredible lies. Guys, your trials, all the scripture points to this fact. Your trials, the horrible things that happen to you, are not happening to you before you. Even if they happen at the hands of other people. Like in Genesis 50, when Joseph said that the things that you intended for my harm, God intended for my good. God is triumphant. God's word is final. God loves you. He's got your back. So all these things are not just happening to you, but for you to make you eternally glorious in Jesus Christ. My son, uh, Ethan, he struggled with some depression in the natural, but a joy in the depths of his soul. And he was a teenager, and he's feeling this really deep, like just melancholy, but more. And, and, and he's playing his piano. And there was a, a, a bust of Beethoven on our piano. And he's looking at it as he's playing, and he said, you know, Dad, I'll bet you that Beethoven was depressed. Because if he wasn't, he wouldn't have been able to write this song. Even in his natural depression, which resulted from some neurological stuff in his brain, he was able to rejoice that this is his path to greatness. He was able to tell himself a truth, to take a lie captive that this sadness is me being abandoned by God. No, no, no. This is how God has chosen me. Guys, you can't choose all your trials, but you can choose your response to them. You're going to go through life as a victim or a victor. All your trials come to pass. The blessings come to stay. Every pain you experience comes to pass. The natural and eternal state for a Christian, what's waiting for you, what God has promised you, I've read the last pages, guys, is eternal blessedness. When bad things are happening, don't think, i got to get used to this. When good things are happening, don't think, well, this is going to pass. Horrible things are going to the, the shoe's going to drop any minute now. No, no. When good things are happening, say, i got to get used to this. This is going to be forever. There's going to be some bumps along the way. Someone asked, Chris, how do you love yourself? I'm going to get to that in a, in, a, in a minute. Actually, let's get to that one right now. But first, guys, take that lie captive. If you believe you're cursed, the joys of life aren't for you, recognize that and say out loud as often as you can, I am blessed. I'm, ble I'm chosen and blessed by God. How about this lie, that I'm worthless? This is the lie that underlies people who don't get self-care in. I came home from a trip um, <clears throat> not long ago. My wife looked exhausted. She was just like, like she was drained of all life. And of course I said, hey, there's dishes that have to be done. <laughs> I'm not that dumb. Thank you. Because uh, dishes would have come flying at my head. I said, hey, stay right there. I want to run out and get you some sushi right now. <clears throat> Thank you very much. As I said that, it struck me that if Jesus had walked into the room in that moment, he'd have said the same exact thing. You know, we think that God cares about holy stuff, but when it comes to that self-care, he barely tolerates that. On our time, if we have time for it, right? No, 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 no. That, that idea does not come from the Bible. The Bible shows me a God who, while the whole Old Testament is pointing to a heavenly homeland, there is also the reality of an earthly homeland that he wanted to give his people because he loved them. He washed his apostles' feet. 
He made them a fish breakfast after he rose from the dead, and there's lots of layers of theological meaning to that. One of them is this. God wanted to make people breakfast. After he made someone rise from the dead, he caused a lot of commotion. He cut through the commotion with a profound theological phrase like this. Get him something to eat. This kid was dead. He desperately needs a sandwich. You know, we over-spiritualize our problems. We really do sometimes. God, why don't I have any ability to think straight or concentrate for a minute? And the Lord is looking down from heaven saying, you should probably put your phone down and stop scrolling on Snapchat at one in the morning, teenager. Then maybe you'll be able to think straight. Have you tried a nap? Where's my peace? He's looking down maybe saying, yeah, maybe you need a good confession, but you know what else? You might just need a good sandwich right now. Stop thinking so deeply about literally everything. Oh, but Chris, I can't get to the self-care. The floor is dirty. Guys, the floor is always dirty. I have four dogs and six kids and two grandkids coming through my house on a regular basis. My floor is always dirty. You know what the kids need more than a clean floor? A happy dad. A happy mom. And you need to take some time caring for yourself to become that person. I gave a whole talk on this recently, and a, a priest came up to me afterwards, cried on my shoulder, a young priest. He said, thank you, because I am a shell of who I used to be. I take no time to be inspired, and I'm not inspiring anymore. And my people, I, I fake them out. They think I have it together. There's nothing left. i got to take time to care for myself, to inspire myself. I'm going to be inspired. Take a deep breath. Look at the sunset. Work out. Read a book. Moms and small children, I stand before you with the full authority of the Catholic Church, and I give you permission to shower. I know, you feel selfish when you do these things. When you don't, all you leave the people around you with is the most burnt-out version of yourself, and there's nothing loving about that. Let's take some more lies captive. Do you believe that you're cursed? You're blessed. Do you believe that you're unforgivable? You're redeemable and redeemed by Jesus Christ. Do you believe that you're worthless, such that you can't take care of yourself? You're worthy, and you've got to say it out loud. Stop living under these lies, guys. God does not want you to live a joyless life dominated by these lies. Oh, man, I could go through these all night, but I only have so much time. How about this one? I am disgraced. People who have been abused sexually think this one. My wife went through a long period of time with dealing with wounds from sexual abuse, and you've got to look up the episodes that I interviewed her about it. Profound stuff. But a lot of the counseling journey came back to the simple reality that she had negative cognition. Hmm? lies she was telling herself based on things she experienced. And the solution was, tell yourself the truth. It's simple. I didn't say easy. Some people had to go, had to go through counseling for years to tell themselves the truth. Guys, the truth of the Word of God is that no matter what someone does to you, even if they put you to a cross and kill you, that doesn't define you. You're sacred. St. Paul says, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're a dwelling place of God. You might have to go to counseling to fix that if you can't quite grasp that truth. But I'll tell you what, it starts by recognizing that you need to tell yourself that truth. You start saying out loud, I'm sacred. I'm sacred. I'm a dwelling place of God. He lives in me. Think of the most beautiful church you could think of. Pull these thoughts into your mind. Talk back to the darkness. Think of incense rising in a beautiful church. Think of that place being you. The only reason we consecrate anything in the Catholic Church, guys, is so that you might be consecrated to God. 
The reason we have churches is that God sees that in you. How about this lie? I am responsible for everybody else's happiness. I think I'm going to be hitting nerves with this one. Maybe you were parentified as a little kid and you had to make your parents happy. Maybe there's a lot of dysfunction in your home that you were responsible for holding together. Maybe you were abused and you were responsible, so you thought, to keep that a secret. Otherwise, everything in the whole world would blow up. So you go through life with this lie that you are responsible for everybody's happiness. I lived under this lie myself. You know what freed me of this lie? COVID. Dude, I, I traveled the world and preached the gospel. I helped a lot of people to find the joy of the Lord, and I still do. And I'll tell you, God uses genuine anointing, but also tolerates for a time using our dysfunction. <laughs> and eventually, when you can become 45, 46, that, that, the part that's not pure gets a little tiring. You could survive. You could tough it out in your 20s and 30s, maybe, maybe. But I, I, I didn't realize until I couldn't go and do that for people anymore when the world shut down and I had an international speaking ministry and couldn't go speak. I didn't realize how much I needed to do that. And that hearing words like, Chris, you changed my life at this event tonight, wouldn't make me feel elated but normal. Can you imagine the weight of carrying that around as your normal baseline? That's exhausting, man. But how beautiful through the time of not being able to do and perform and help that I realize I'm not responsible for everybody's happiness, that I am cared for, that I am a child of God. How about this lie, that you're not enough? So many people believe this if they weren't told, I'm proud of you, I love you. I, I tell my kids I'm proud of them when they've done nothing. Why? Because you're mine. If you didn't get that from your, from your dad, from your coaches, from your teachers, maybe a lie is grown in your soul, not from the Word of God, but from bad experience, from this absence that I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough, smart enough, good enough, skinny enough. I'll never be enough. I'll never have enough zeros in the bank account. I've met guys who it looks like they're working for their whole lives for the approval of someone who's not even there. I love thinking about royalty. You know what royalty has to do to be royalty? Sit there. <laughs> you don't have to do a dang thing to be worthy. Do you know that you have royal blood coursing through your vein, Christian? That the king of the universe is your father? Yeah, we know that in catechism class. Do you know that in your gut? You need to preach the truth to yourself and tell yourself that reality. And tell yourself again and again until you believe it. I know of a little girl who had Down syndrome, trisomy 21, right? And her, her, uh, her mom used to tell her, you're a princess. So everyone she meets, you tell them immediately, I'm the daughter of a great king. One day she went up to her mom, looked at her for a long time. She said, Mommy, you have a crown, but you don't see it. Christian, that is you. You have a crown, but so often you don't see it. Can you do me a favor and tell yourself I'm royalty? If you don't believe you measure up? How about we start talking back? To the darkness. Guys, you got to start recognizing the lies you're living out of and replacing them with the Word of God. Someone said, how do you carve out appropriate time for self-care when you and your spouse already have limited time together? Something's got to give, man. you got to put it in your schedule. I mean, there's a great saying, if you want to get something done, give it to a, someone who's got too much to do. 
I have a very full schedule. You give me some work to do, I'm getting it done. I accomplish a lot of things. I have to put on that same priority level my self-care. I have to schedule it. And if I'm going to get all those other things done, this is something that's, no, 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 I'm not going to get to this when the other things are done. This is as important or more important than the other things. Put your own air gas mask on first before assisting other passengers. How do you recognize that lie that you're living out of? Guys, whatever God's calling you to do in life, the devil knows it, and he's handpicked a lie to directly run counter to God's call for you. And I love the story in sacred scripture of our Lord's first encounter with St. Peter from Luke 5, I think it is, where our Lord is preaching to a crowd and St. Peter is on the shore mending his nets. And there's a clear message here. I'm not part of your crowd. I'm not part of your youth group, Jesus. Jesus walks over to Peter, gets in his boat. This is the most awkward moment in scripture. Starts to preach to the crowd from the boat of the guy who wasn't interested. And then he says, go out to the deep water and cast out your nets for a catch. Peter casts his nets out. So many fish fill the nets. You know the story. He starts to sink the boat. He falls to his knees and says, Lord, let's go into the fishing business together. No. He falls to his knees and says his name to Jesus. Or what he thought his name was. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Sinful man is my name. The devil worked his whole life to convince Peter of the wrong self-talk. The wrong tape was playing in his head because he was terrified of what Peter would become. Now his name had been Simon. Jesus took him on a long journey to Caesarea Philippi. It's in the Holy Land. Come with me. I go once a year. So does Tim Gray. Join one of us in the Holy Land. Um, it's mind-blowing. Life-changing. Caesarea Philippi is in the border of Lebanon. It's not a place that, that people would go who were Jewish on their way to something holy. There's nothing to see out there. Probably took them a few days to get there. Why did Jesus take them on this journey to Caesarea Philippi, this pagan city? Because there's this huge rock overshadowing the entire town. And right there in front of that rock, he had an important conversation with Peter. The perfect setting. He said, you are rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. He wanted that image seared into Peter's mind. So that every time someone said his name for the rest of his life, he would see it. Good morning, you massive rock. Please pass the fish. Because Jesus knew what I'm telling you right now. That as we see ourselves and speak to ourselves, so do we feel, so do we act, so do our lives pan out. And he needed Peter to act as the rock-solid leader of his church. Brothers and sisters, I'm not sure I care that much about where your lies have come from. Here's what I care a lot about. That you wake up right now. That you wake up to the fact that there's a battle between heaven and hell. The front line's between your ears. Take the pen out of the devil's hand. He's a great script writer and a liar. Give it back to Almighty God. And it's your job to inform how you talk to yourself and inform it with the word of God. It's your job to preach to yourself. Guys, the reason there's a preaching ministry in the church, the reason that we have this show, isn't just so that you keep consuming Catholic stuff. It's so you take up the charge and start preaching truth to yourself. And if you're not doing that for yourself, you're going through life way too needy. You need your boyfriend. You complete me. No, you don't need him to tell you who you are. You need your kids to tell you who you are. You need your accomplishments and the zeros in the bank account to tell you who you are. No, no, no. You need to tell you who you are. I tell myself what I need to hear. I wake up in the morning, look in the mirror. Good morning, good looking. <laughs> that receding hairline has never looked better on another man. Every day there's new soldiers from the front line laying dead on the pillow. And I tell myself, you don't have to make everybody happy today. You're a child of God who he cares for. 
rest. Guys, if I'm not telling myself that, no one else is, man. You know one of the reasons I'm good at doing what I do? I love you, but I don't care what you think about me. Because <laughs> I don't need that to tell me who I am. If you need more on this topic, guys, uh, I wrote a book about this called I Am. You know, thinking about this, we've got to get this on the Augustine Institute site and our forum. Right now it's on reallifecatholic.com. There's also a 33-day video journey on reallifecatholic.com uh, leading you through the whole I Am program to help you rewire how you talk to yourself. But it all ends in this, and this is what I want you to practice, and I'm not just trying to land on, a, on the sale of a book, please, no. Um, I, I'll give away the secret sauce at the end of the book and the end of the program. It's very simple. Would you pray with me right now? I'm going to lead you in a prayer that I want you to do on a regular basis. I want you just to put your hands over your heart, close your eyes, take a deep breath. Forget that you're watching a show right now. If you're in your car listening to this, please pull over for a minute. And I want you to picture Jesus on the cross looking down, not at the world, but at you. Just you. What are his eyes telling you about who you are? Rest in that gaze for a minute. Now, I want you to think about the lie you believe in yourself that doesn't fit his love for you. What lie is it? And repeat after me, Lord Jesus, go ahead, say it out loud, Lord Jesus, in your name and by your authority, I renounce the lie that I am. Go ahead and insert your lie there. Is it disgraced? Is it not enough? Is it unworthy? Is it impure? What is it? Say it out loud. Say, I renounce it. And Lord, we send that lie and any demon associated with it to the foot of the cross so that you could dispose of it according to your will and punish it and send it to hell where it belongs. Lock it up, never to return. Now keep resting in that loving gaze of Jesus from the cross. Think about the truth that opposes that lie that's been dragging you down, the truth that you need to bring you back up. Have you believed you're impure? Well, I am pure. Have you believed you're not worthy? I am worthy. Have you believed you're unforgivable? I am redeemable. And pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, say it out loud. I claim the truth that I am, insert your truth here, that you need to hear. Lord, we thank you for revealing the truth about us as we look at you on the cross. This does not just show us the face of the Father, but it shows us who you are and who we are and what we're worth in your eyes. Help us to live out of that truth that we are blessed, beautiful, chosen, and destined for eternal glory on high with you. Let this inform how we talk to ourselves, feel, act, and live our entire lives. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Brothers and sisters, every time you feel that lie welling up in your soul, and again, if you need more help with this, you can check out my book, the program. You can go to counseling, talk to your spiritual director, dive into this if I kicked something up that's a little difficult for you right now. But it all comes down to this. Keep recognizing that you are in a spiritual battle and you need to start talking back. Identify the lie as often as you need to. Keep fighting back because darkness never stops fighting against us. Renounce it out loud and as often as you need to. Every day, right? Claim that truth. The Lord wants that freedom for you 
and so do I. He doesn't just want us to go into heaven with a sour, heavy spirit, but with his joy. God love you. Thanks for listening. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.